You're listening to the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. Remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, and click the bell to make sure you get the latest episodes of the podcast. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. And on today's episode of the podcast, we're reviewing the first test between Australia and the West Indies from the Adelaide Oval. And Australia, as expected, were far too strong for the West Indies, uh, wrapping up the test match in three days to retain the Sir Frank Worrell Trophy, which is not a surprise to everyone um, going into this test match and also going into this series that Australia were going to wrap up the series quite comfortably. Um, For the West Indies, they can take a lot of positives out of this first test. Um, Despite a disappointing result, losing by 10 wickets is... Not a great uh, result, but despite the negatives, they can take a positive from from this test. Um, Shamar Joseph on debut, taking five wickets, showing a lot of promise with the ball, but also with the bat as well, scoring some runs. And also Kurt McKenzie scoring a half century and showing some signs of promise um, and showing some signs that he can cope at this level as a test batter. So, Despite the negatives, there, there are some positives for the West Indies to take out of this first test um, as both teams progress onto the second test in Brisbane uh, to wrap up the series. There's plenty of, of positives the West Indies can take, but not a surprise that the test wrapped up in three days, um, as expected, as I mentioned. Um, so there's some, some stuff to talk about from this first test where both teams uh went right and went wrong uh, during the three days of this test match in Adelaide. And uh, what can we expect from both teams going into the second test, the day-night test in Brisbane at the Gabba? So plenty to discuss, plenty to talk about uh, in today's episode uh, of the podcast. So let's get straight into it. And first of all, let's have a look at the match summary, how the uh, three days unfolded in Adelaide. Let's have a look at the match summary from the first test between Australia and the West Indies. And uh, the West Indies batted first and made 188 all out in the first innings after being sent in by Australia. Uh, Kirk McKenzie top scored with 50. Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood took four wickets each for Australia. Australia, in reply, were bowled out for 283 in their first innings. Uh, Travis Head scored a splendid 119 and top scored for Australia. Uh, Shamar Joseph on debut took five wickets or the West Indies. The West Indies, in response, um, in their second innings, were bowled out for 120. Kirk McKenzie top scored again for the West Indies, this time with 26. And Josh Hazelwood took five wickets for Australia. Uh, Australia was set a target of 26 runs to win. They chased down the runs with ease, none for 26 from 6.4 overs. Steve Smith, um, Australia's newest opener, top scored with 11 not outs. And um, Australia won by 10 wickets, and Travis Head was named the player of the match for his uh, splendid 119 in the first innings, which really set up the test match for Australia. What were the key moments and key factors from the first test between Australia and the West Indies? Well, Australia bowling out the West Indies for 188 in the first innings was a good result for Australia. After winning the toss, choosing to bowl first, Uh, They were able to bowl the West Indies out on day one for 188. Under 200 was a good result. Uh, Travis Head's century, 119, was key for Australia posting 283 in their first innings. 
and Osu to gain a crucial first innings lead of 95 runs on the first innings over the West Indies on a pitch in Adelaide that did a bit, a uh, bit of seam movement, bit of swing, and it was a very difficult for batting at times. So uh, his innings, Travis Head's innings of 119 was key. Uh, Josh Hazelwood's five for 35 was a key moment. Uh, pretty much kick-started the batting collapse for the West Indies in their second innings, uh, which saw the West Indies bowl out for 120 and set Australia 26 runs to win, which Australia chased down easily to win by 10 wickets. So those were the key moments and key factors from the first test between Australia and the West Indies from the Adelaide Oval. Let's talk about how both Australia and the West Indies performed in the first test um, at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, we'll start with the home side, Australia, and let's talk about their performance in this first test match of the series against the West Indies. We'll start with the batters and talk about Australia's batters and their performance in the first test. Um, Smith, 12 and 11 not out. Uh, Kawaja, 48 and 9. Uh, Labashane, 10 and 1 not out. Uh, Green, 14. Uh, Head, 119. Mitchell Marsh, 5. And Alex Carey with 15. And that's how the Australian batters went about their business in the first test. Um, in the first innings, Australia did well to gain a lead of 283. Uh, sorry, uh, Australia did well to post 283, I should say, and gain a, a good first innings lead of 95 runs uh, after bowling the West Indies out for 188, posting 283, gained a lead of 95 runs on a pitch that did a bit, uh, was a good result uh, for Australia. Um, and Travis Head was outstanding with his um, 119, pretty much the standout batter for Australia in the first innings. Uh, looked uh, pretty much at ease scoring runs on a pitch, that, whereas everyone else struggled. Uh, so that's what Australia did in the first innings. In the second innings, they only needed to chase 26 runs. They did well to keep the West Indies to uh, 120 in their second innings. Therefore, the West Indies set Australia 26 runs to win, which Australia chased down with ease in the end. Uh, Smith played aggressively. For his 11 not out, Usman Khawaja retired hurt after a, a very nasty bouncer by Shamar Joseph that copped him on the uh, on the uh, jaw. Um, and Australia were able to chase down the runs and uh, win by 10 wickets. So that's what they did in the second innings um, of this test match, the Australian batters. Uh, for Australia overall, not quite at their fluent best. That's been the case this summer for Australia, is their batting hasn't really fired on all cylinders. It hasn't been as fluent um, some players have struggled for form and, and scoring runs. Uh, that trend continued in this first test. And I suppose that's the story of the summer in the series against Pakistan, in the series here against the West Indies. The pitches have offered a bit for the bowlers. It's been difficult for batting at times. But you can also mix in some poor shot selection, uh, selection and decision-making, uh, which has been... Uh, the problem for the Australian batters in this uh, summer, thus far in the test summer. Uh, but um, as I mentioned, Travis Head's innings was outstanding. 119 really set the tone for Australia. Uh, put on some very good partnerships um, that uh, really helped Australia uh, get towards that 283 total to set that lead of 95 runs on the first innings. Um, and he was well supported, Travis Head, by the tail. It was good to see the Australian tail contribute they haven't been able to do that this summer. Some good partnerships, Stark and Travis Head, 54 for the seventh wicket, 33 heading Cummins for the eighth wicket, uh, 28 uh, with Cummins and Lyon for the ninth wicket. Um, really crucial runs for Australia in terms of the tail helping out and supporting 
the team and getting those crucial runs, which they haven't been able to do this summer. Um, so that that helped. And uh, going back to Travis Head, he always seems to score runs in difficult situations, Travis Head. He always finds that inner strength, that inner ability to score runs under pressure, and especially in difficult situations. And that's what he can do, Travis Head. He can take away the game just like that. And the West Indies were were pretty much in the test match. You know, Australia were tottering and teetering long uh, towards the West Indian first inning score of 188. Uh, looking like probably getting the lead, but not a big lead at one stage. The West Indies felt they were in the contest, and they were. But Travis Head, in a session or two, as we saw in this test match, took the game away, and the West Indies tried to go short at him, bowled short. He was up to the challenge, and he got past that tough period and was able to cash in when he did. Um, and pretty much that changed the game on its head. So that's what he can do, Travis Head. We saw that in the World Test Championship final. We saw that in the World Cup final recently, and we just keep seeing it from Travis Head. He's, he's a match winner, and he gets the job done for Australia, which is fantastic. Also, the other talking point, Steve Smith, opener, Cameron Green batting at number four experiment. Didn't quite go to plan for Smith and Green in this test match. A lot of people will make a lot of uh, uh, commentary about Smith as opener and Cameron Green at number four. Didn't quite work out in this test match. Smith... Uh, in terms of his opening for the first time in Test cricket, he looked pretty energetic. He looked enthusiastic. Uh, he looked good in the first innings up until he got out uh, to Shamar Joseph. Um, first ball in Test cricket for him, got a wicket on debut. Uh, but the second innings, he looked good, Smith. He looked aggressive. He only scored 11 not out of 22 balls. Australia were only chasing 26 runs. So it wasn't a, a big run chase by any means. But he looked good. He looked positive. He looked up for it. Um and with Cameron Green, um, only batted once in this test match, didn't bat in the second innings, wasn't required. But he scored 14 off 27. He looked good at times. Um, it's a new role for him at number four. So um, in terms of those people, uh, you know, sort of um, saying that we should make a change after this just one test of the experiment of Smith opening and Green at number four. Well, it's going to take some time. You've got to give it a, a bigger sample size. It's only one innings. It's only two innings, really, in the case of Smith as opener. One innings at number four for Green. So we can't really make a judgment or a call on it until we get some more uh, results and, and uh, a longer period of time with Smith as opener and Green batting at number four. Uh, so we can't really make a judgment call on that. Uh, they had mixed results, uh, but very hard to judge after one innings. Uh, as I mentioned, the tail end contributed for Australia in this test match. Good to see Star, Cummins and, and Lyon score some handy runs with Travis Head when he was batting at the time and, and also amongst themselves. So good to see the Australian tail finally uh, getting some runs, which is good to see. Um, the other batters um, in this test match, Usman Khawaja batted well in the first innings for his 48. Uh, the second innings, unfortunate for him to get that nasty bouncer from Shamar Joseph. Good to see Usman Khawaja cleared of any concussion and structural damage in terms of his jaw. Manus Labashain was a bit hit or miss. Uh, played a poor shot on the first innings, played a hook shot straight down fine legs throat. Mitchell Marsh wasn't at his fluent best. He really struggled, Marsh, in this innings. Uh, five of 26 in the first innings, really struggled, wasn't at his fluent best as we've seen in the Pakistan series. Kerry looked good up until he got out. So a bit of a mixed bag for Australia, but they found a way. Uh, to get get a score on the board and and the bowlers did the rest. So 
plenty to work on for the Australian batters going forward into the second test up there in Brisbane. Uh, but as I said, not quite at their fluent best this this summer with the bat, Australia. They'll be hoping that they can have better outcomes with the bat in the second test in Brisbane. So that's the batting. Let's talk about the bowling and talk about the Australian bowlers and how they performed in the first test um, against the West Indies. Uh, a wicket for Green, three wickets for Stark, four wickets for Cummins, three wickets for Lyon, and nine wickets for Josh Hazewood. And that's how the Australian bowlers went about their business with the ball. Uh, they did well to bowl the West Indies out for 188 in the first innings after winning the toss and choosing to bowl first. It was a pretty good result. The second innings, they bowled really well. Uh, they bowled the West Indies out for 120, and the West Indies set Australia 26 runs to win, which Australia chased down easily, as we've mentioned earlier. So that's how Australia went about things across the two innings with the ball. Once again, Australia bowled really well. Um as you expected, up against this inexperienced batting side that the West Indies have put out on the park, it was expected that Stark, Cummins, Lyon and Hazelwood would run through them, and that's what happened. Uh, Josh Hazelwood was outstanding in both innings, uh, but especially in the second innings, you know, got four for two up front. He took the first four wickets, really put the West Indies under pressure from then on in, and Australia were able to hunt as a pack and uh, really dominate and put pressure on the West Indian batting lineup. And pretty much did the basics well, Australia, uh, with the ball, as you would expect from this class bowling attack. Um, you know, the one problem, the one area that Australia struggled with the ball in this test match is not finishing the tail. That's been a problem for Australia for some time. We saw that in the Ashes. They weren't able to finish the tail of England in the Ashes. They weren't able to finish off the tail against Pakistan recently. And the same problem has crept into this first test match against the West Indies. Uh, the 10th wicket partnership in the first innings between Shamar Joseph and Kimar Roach. 55 runs they put on, and Australia could have bowled the West Indies out for under one, 150. In the end, the, the West Indies got 188 with that partnership. So Australia have real problems of wrapping up the tail. I don't know why. They bowled pretty well to get the first nine wickets, and then the 10th wicket's always the hardest one. Um, maybe just trying a little bit too much, maybe going to the short ball, a little bit too much. That was the problem the last test against Pakistan where they bounced Amir uh, Jamal, which didn't work. So maybe Australia just go back to basics, bowling to the tail, bowl a good line length, hit the top of off stump, bowl to them like a top order batter, and you will get them out. Um, they, won't be, they won't be good enough to keep a good ball out, the tail enders. So if you bowl a good line, to, a good line and length to them, you'll get them out. So I think for Australia... They'll definitely work on that in terms of finishing up the tail and finishing up the innings quickly uh, when number 10 and 11 come to bat at the crease. Um, Australia's fielding was good in this test match. They caught well. They fielded well, as you would expect. And the bowlers did their job. You know, a lot of options for Cameron Green. Uh, sorry, a lot of options for Pat Cummins. Obviously, he's got Cameron Green and Mitchell Marsh as options. He can turn to Stark, Lyon, and Hazelwood. So uh, Pat Cummins, very blessed with options. And he used everyone, really, with the ball in terms of the options. Um, you know, he had a pretty good test himself, four wickets in the first innings. Didn't really capitalise in the second innings, but he didn't need to. Stark, Lyon and Hazelwood did the job, and Cameron Green chipped in with a wicket as well. So as you would expect, Australia's bowling, top class, this bowling attack that's got 250 test wickets each, plus uh, Nathan Lyon in the 500s, Cummins and Hazelwood in the 250s, and Stark in the 300s. It's a pretty good bowling attack, and they showed why they are the best bowling attack in world cricket at the moment. 
They really wrapped it up in this test match against the West Indies in both innings. Um, they put uh, the West Indian batters under severe pressure. So plenty of problems for the West Indian batters going into the second test in Brisbane. But for the Australian bowlers, they bowled pretty well all summer. They'll be hoping to end the test summer off on a good on a good note, looking to uh, you know keep taking wickets and and really putting the West Indies under pressure for the remainder of the series. Um, so overall, pretty pretty good bowling performance by the Australian bowlers once again. So that's the Australian bowling performance and how the bowlers went about things, and that's Australia in general in terms of their performance uh, with bat and ball in this uh, first Test match against the West Indies in Adelaide. Uh, let's move on and talk about the West Indies and their performance with bat and ball in this uh, first test match of the series. Um, and first of all, let's talk about the batters uh, from the West Indies and talk about their performance in the first test. Uh, Braithwaite, 13-1, Chanapal, 6 and a duck. Kirk McKenzie, 50 and 26, Athenaeus, 13 and the duck. Hodge, 12 and 3, Greaves, 5 and 24, and De Silva, 6-18, and 18, and that's how the West Indian batters went about their business in the first test against Australia. Uh, bowled out for 188 in the first innings, batting first. They were sent in. Um, not enough. It, it wasn't a score that was competitive. It was something to bowl out, I suppose. Tenth uh, wicket partnership, Shamar Joseph on debut, Kima Roach, 55. They added for the 10th wicket, got the West Indies above 150 at one stage, West Indies were probably going to get bowled out for under 150. But that partnership gave the West Indies something in the first innings. The second innings, they were trailing by 95 runs on first innings. Australia got a first innings lead and crumbled. Batting collapse, crumbled under pressure by the Australian bowlers. They were bowled out for 120. They did well to make Australia bat again, but they set a target of 26 runs, which wasn't really enough in the end, and Australia chased them down easily. So that's a bit of a snapshot of the West Indian batting across the two innings of this test match. Very poor batting overall. Not a surprise. Inexperienced batting lineup. Uh, tested up against a world-class Australian bowling attack. Of course, this was going to happen in terms of batting collapses, in terms of the Australian bowlers just wrapping up the West Indian batting. Um, and the inexperience showed as well. And also the West Indies played three debutants. Two of them were batters, Hodge and Greaves. They had mixed results. Uh, Shamar Joseph, obviously an all-round, uh, well, he could be an all-rounder, uh, scored some runs and took some wickets in this test on debut. And we'll talk about him a bit later in the bowling performance. But, um, yeah, the West Indies, disappointing with the bat, didn't quite do the basics. They didn't quite nail the basics well enough. Poor shot selection. Uh, they couldn't. Um, handle the pressure of the Australian bowlers. They couldn't tough it out. Um, Australia were just too relentless with the ball. And that's what's going to happen up against a world-class bowling side, uh, up against uh, an inexperienced batting lineup. You're going to have these problems, and that's what happens. So plenty of, the, plenty of work to do for the West Indies in terms of the bat going into the second test in Brisbane. They, they really need to try and find a way to get through it if they can. But we saw at times they did face a lot of deliveries. They soaked up a lot of pressure. They started to build partnerships. And once they started to build a partnership or two, um, then a wicket would fall. And then they had to start again. And um, it, it was difficult for the West Indian batters, that's for sure, in this test match. Um, 
Braithwaite, Chandapur were disappointing opening the batting. Kurt McKenzie showed promise, scored a half century, did well in the second innings up until he got out. Um, you know, he's got a bit of Chris Gale about him, apparently. Apparently there's some comparisons to Chris Gale there. Um, so he's got a bright future. Athenaeus was disappointing. Um, Hodge and Greaves on debut uh, had mixed results. De Silva was poor. He played two hook shots and got out both times to the short ball. Uh, the tail just crumbled. But Shamar Joseph showed some, some good promise with the bat on debut. Handy 10th wicket partnership with Roach in the first innings, as, as I mentioned. So for the West Indies, there's, there's some stuff to work with there. Um, their batters do have some talent and skill. We saw that at times in this test match, but it's about doing that for long periods of time. And you've got to try and put pressure back on the Australian bowlers. That's going to be their biggest challenge going into Brisbane. Um, are they able to put the pressure back on? That remains to be seen. So West Indian batting, overall pretty poor, uh, as expected uh, by an inexperienced batting lineup. They were tested and unfortunately they didn't uh, pass the test. Uh, they crumbled, and they need to work on a few things going into Brisbane. So that's the batting. Let's talk about the bowling quickly um, and how the West Indian bowlers went about their business. Uh, two wickets for Greaves, a wicket for Azari Joseph, no wickets for Moti, the spinner, uh, two wickets for Kima Roach, and five wickets for Shamar Joseph on debut. And that's how the West Indian bowlers went about their business with the ball. Uh, did well to keep Australia under 300 in the first innings, 283, conceding a 95-run lead was not a bad result for the West Indies. Uh, the second innings, they were able to bat again after Australia bowled them out for 120. 26, they set uh, Australia to win. It was always going to be tough for the bowlers to try and defend that, uh, near impossible. Um, and in the end, uh, Australia cruised to victory. So uh, the West Indian bowling overall was... I thought pretty good at times, um, especially in the first innings. Uh, the, the bowling was was pretty good from the West Indies. They they were able to put Australia under pressure, uh, were able to contain Australia. Only Travis Head got away and, and put them under some sort of pressure. But the rest of the you know West Indian bowlers bowled pretty well, uh, led by Shamar Joseph on debut. What a story from Joseph um, on debut. Five wickets, scored runs in both innings really the spearhead of the attack for the West Indies. And he bowls pace as well. He's got he's got some wheels. He bowls at 140 plus. So that's that's good to see. Really led the way. Um, and that's very important for the West Indian attack to have that bit of extra airspeed in the air, the velocity. Very important to have that, um, especially in Australia. Medium paces like Kimar Roach, who's probably past his best. Um, and As Asari Joseph, um, as well, along with Greaves, who bowls medium pace, the all-rounder on debut, um, ain't going to be um, effective on Australian pitches. You need that extra bit of airspeed, and Shamar Joseph provided that. It was wonderful to see someone who comes from a remote village in Guyana, um, was a security guard, gave up his job to play cricket, and now he's here playing cricket for the West Indies and took a five-wicket haul. Took a wicket first ball in Test cricket on debut, got rid of Steve Smith, which he's pretty chuffed about. And why not? Um, he played in the right spirit. Um, he was having some fun. And, you know, I think the West Indies have really discovered someone there. Uh, Shamar Joseph being the Amir Jamal 
uh, like Amir Jamal was with Pakistan recently. Um, same with Shamar Joseph, these incredible stories and inspiring stories from both of them um, has been fantastic to hear and, and good to see them do well. So definitely he's got a bright future and the West Indian bowling attack, they, they did pretty well to, to keep Australia at bay in this test. Um, there's still a few areas to, to work on in terms of their plans um, to Pacific batters, in particular Travis Head. But apart from that, I think their bowlers uh, will be pleased about their efforts in the first innings and keeping Australia at bay, which was a good result for them. And especially Shamar Joseph on debut will be very pleased with his efforts. Um, so, so overall, the West Indian bowling uh, was... Um, was was pretty good at times. They did well. They uh, were able to put Australia under some sort of pressure. Their fielding was good. Uh, good proactive captaincy from Braithwaite. The field settings were good. I think the field setting to Mitchell Marsh, bringing up the third slip with the helmet uh, after the edges weren't carrying, was a fantastic move from Braithwaite. Good proactive captaincy. Got rid of the wicket of Marsh, who can be a danger man. Uh, got him out because of that move. So brilliant captaincy from Braithwaite in terms of the field placements and shuffling his bowlers around. Um, so plenty of good signs here for the West Indies in terms of their bowling. They've got some, got some stuff to work with, but they can get better as we progress into the second test in Brisbane. So that's how the West Indies performed with the ball, and that's how the West Indies performed as a team overall in this uh, first test. And uh, let's preview the second test, the last test of the series between Australia and the West Indies from the Gabba in Brisbane. And both teams' stats in terms of test matches here at the Gabba. Well, the first test Australia and the West Indies played was back in 1951 at the Gabba. Twelve matches, two of them have been drawn. Australia lead the head-to-head -head in terms of wins, 6-3. to three. And um, Australia have a good record over the West Indies at the Gabba. Um, in terms of the West Indies and Australia playing at the Gabba, the last time the West Indies played at the Gabba was back in 2009-10. It's been a long time ago since they played a test at the Gabba. And I think many people who are listening today to this episode would remember that test match back in 2009-10 at the Gabba. Australia won the test match uh, by an innings. The West Indies had to follow on. Australia posted eight for 480 in the first innings. Um, West Indies in reply were bowled out for 228. And the West Indies were asked to follow on and bowled out for 187. But uh, Adrian Baraf, uh, you know, scored a century on debut, 104. Uh, pretty pretty much forgotten in West Indian cricket circles. Um, I think many people would remember him. And he was the youngest West Indian to score a century on test debut. Um, and ever since, he sort of dropped off the radar after that. Uh, so that's how long ago um, Australia played the West Indies at the Gabba back in 2009-10. Um, also, this second test of the Gabba for this series will be a day-night test. We didn't have the day-night test in Adelaide. It's now going to be at the Gabba for this series. Um, it will be the third day-night test to be played here at the Gabba. Back in 2016-17, Australia played Pakistan for the first day-night test at the Gabba. Australia won that test match by 39 runs. The West Indies, uh, sorry, uh, Pakistan Nearly chased down 490. They were bowled out for 450. Asad Shafiq scored 137 in that game. It was a really uh, interesting game of cricket in that day-night test. Australia and Pakistan. Smith and Hanscom scored hundreds. Um, and uh, 
the bowlers uh, did well to take wickets in that test as well. And also the last day-night test uh, before this, this one against Australia and the West Indies in this series, uh, Australia played Sri Lanka. That was back in 2018-19 during that summer uh, where Smith and Warner and Bancroft were banned. Um, and that was a day-night test. Australia won that by an innings and 40 runs, um, and they won that test quite easily in the end. And uh, Pat Cummins took six wickets, and um, Travis Head scored an 80, 84, Marta Subashane 81, um, and uh, Australia won that test easily. So two day-night tests here at the Gabba. This will be the third one against the West Indies. It'll be interesting to see how this pitch would be prepared um, in terms of the pink ball, a lot of grass has to be left on the pitch. We see that in Adelaide to keep the integrity of the pink ball, to make sure the pink ball remains hard for long periods of time. Um, so it would be interesting to see what the grass staff do. Will they put a lot of grass on the surface? Will they have some grass to cover the pitch and, and keep the pink ball nice and shiny, but also hard as well for longer periods of time? The pink ball does go soft earlier in a day-night test. Also, the weather is going to be a factor as well in terms of the humidity. There's a bit of rain forecast for the test. So that may play a part as well in terms of the moisture and the ball swinging around in the air and off the pitch seeming. So plenty of challenges for both teams to encounter in this day-night test for this second test of the series. Now, in terms of both teams, in terms of the selection table, picking 11s and all that, let's talk about that. We'll start with Australia. Uh, a couple of concerns, uh, Usman Khawaja uh, and Travis Head. Now, Usman Khawaja had that nasty bouncer of Shamar Joseph, pretty much hit him in the jaw. Um, he's been cleared of concussion and any signs of structural damage with his jaw, which is fantastic for Usman. So he looks like he's going to be taking his spot at the top of the order. Travis Head's got some illness, but Pat Cummins confirmed that he'll be right to go. Um, so despite those two uh, situations with Kawaja and Head in terms of concussion, injuries, and illness, they look like they're going to uh, retain their spot in the 11 and play this last test of the series. And Australia may, uh, obviously, Australia will keep the same 11, uh, obviously. So Australia's potential 11 for the second test could be Smith, Kawaja, Labashane, Green, Head, Mitchell Marsh, Carey, Stark, Cummins, Lyon, and Hazelwood, pretty much the same 11 as it was for the first test. Now, for the West Indies, in terms of their selection for their 11 for the second test, I think for the West Indies, they may keep the same 11, even though they lost badly in Adelaide. I think it's important for a young team to try and build some cohesion and unity within the squad. Uh, they played three debutantes in Hodge and Greaves and Shamar Joseph, who had mixed results on debut in test cricket. Uh, obviously, Shamar Joseph, we've spoken about him before, uh, taking five wickets, scoring some runs. Greaves and Hodge had some mixed performances on debut. But I think it's important for the West Indies as a young team to, to try and maintain some sort of structure with their 11, try and back these young guys in, give them more experience in the middle. Uh, the, the only way you will get better and learn is by playing. So if they drop Hodge and Greaves, they won't drop Shamar Joseph given his wonderful debut. But that doesn't send the right message. And it will dent their confidence a bit. So they've got nothing to lose, the West Indies. Look, if they keep the same 11, it may be the same result. But in terms of the bigger picture, it's about trying to develop these cricketers, trying to give them more time, um, exposure at test level to make them better as players.
And that's the, the main goal that the West Indies should focus on. Um, they may make some changes based on the conditions in Brisbane, uh, what type of pitch is going to be prepared, the weather as well, all these factors. But I think for the for the sake of the West Indies trying to rebuild and develop, they may keep the same 11 in terms of trying to do that. So the West Indies' potential 11 could be uh, for the second test, Braithwaite, Chandapur, McKenzie, Athanase, Hodge, Greaves, De Silva, Asari Joseph, Moti, Roach and Shamar Joseph. Um, in terms of who's going to win this test, um, in terms of who's going to come out on top, well, it's obvious that Australia will probably win again. It's the only team that could defeat Australia is the weather. Now, uh, the weather in Brisbane doesn't look good for the test. Uh, I think it's going to rain heavily for the last two days of the test match. But despite the weather, it may finish in three days again like it did in Adelaide. Uh, given how strong Australia are and how inexperienced the West Indies are. So it may finish in three days again, and Australia may wrap up the series 2-0. That's the obvious, most likely outcome. But the only way that that's going to stop Australia is the weather and if that plays a part. So uh, we shall have to wait and see, but fingers crossed that we get a full game in and uh, end the Australian Test Summer off on a good note. Um but for the West Indies going into the second test, it's all about trying to get better, trying to be competitive, and just trying to stick with Australia the best way they can for long periods of time um, during the second test at the Gabba. My final thoughts uh, from the first test match between Australia and the West Indies to finish off our review of the first test today. Not a surprise that the test match wrapped up in three days, uh, given how inexperienced the West Indies are and given how strong Australia have been uh, for some time. Uh, not a surprise that it finished in three days. Uh, Australia too strong, too good in the end. Travis Head was outstanding. Uh, a brilliant hundred on a pitch that both batting sides or both batting lineups really struggled on. Um, it did a bit, but if you applied yourself and you were able to score some runs, it wasn't impossible. It wasn't a, a difficult surface, but it did do a bit. Um, offered something for the bowlers if you bowled in the right areas. But I thought his 100 was outstanding, really changed the game in Australia's favour. Uh, for the West Indies, despite losing this test by 10 wickets, it can be demoralising, but the West Indies can gain some positives from this test. Uh, Shamar Joseph on debut was is a big positive. Uh, Kirk McKenzie showed promise with the bat. So there are some good signs there, some, some positives, even though it was a big negative in losing the test in three days but you can gain something from it. And there's plenty to look forward to if you're a West Indian supporter. Shamar Joseph in particular uh, on debut. Um, and also Kurt McKenzie showed a lot of promise with the bat, scoring a half century. So there's there's plenty to look forward to. But for the West Indies, it's all about trying to learn from this, trying to be competitive if they can for the second test in Brisbane. It's going to be a challenge, as we all know, but for the West Indian team... Let's hope they can do that. But as I said, plenty of positives for the West Indies to take from this test match in certain aspects for them. Uh, for Australia, they'll be quite pleased to, to wrap up the test and, and claim another victory this summer. And they'll be hoping to wrap up the series. Well, they already have, but uh, looking to win a 2-0 uh, to, to finish off the Australian test summer on a good note. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to our first test review between Australia and the West Indies. 
If you're watching or listening to this episode of the podcast on our YouTube channel, let us know your thoughts on the first test between Australia and the West Indies in the comments. We would love to hear what you have to say. Thanks for watching and listening. Until next time, keep safe and bye for now.